and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning, everybody. There's some seats down in the front if you're looking for a seat. Yeah, everyone scoot in towards the center. Glad you guys are here this morning. Uh, Remember, we are going to be having a potluck this evening at 5 o'clock at the Boerhaus home. We had to postpone it last week because of the hurricane. I'm glad you guys all survived the hurricane. Man, yeah, it was was tumultuous. It was something, but gosh, it's so crazy. You never know, you know? I mean, when you hear the news, it's like, should we get sandbags, right? I mean, like, do we need... And then we're just standing out there going, is this is it? I didn't even see lightning. I was really kind of bummed. I was like, I wanted at least lightning, but hey, that's it. Anyway, that's happening uh, this evening, 5 o'clock at the Borahas home. If you need uh, directions, you can see Mary or Adelio. Or if you're watching online and you don't know, you can contact us through any of the means there, and we'll let you know how to get there. It is a potluck. Has everyone gotten back to you and what they're bringing? Uh, no. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no. I'm just going with the flow. Okay, so. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't go there. You're ready now. You were ahead of time. You were ready before it was even time. Anyway, again, hope to see you guys there. For those of you watching online, hope to see you too. If you uh, can make it, it's sure to be a great time. Um, Also, a reminder that on the 8th is the memorial service for O. That information can be found also uh, online. And if you need information regarding that, we'll share more as the time comes. Uh, But let's pause and let's pray as we get started here this morning. Father, we are grateful once again for opportunities like this to gather together with a desire to grow, to learn, to lean into life and all that you offer. We pray that we would pay attention to what your spirit is speaking to each of us, that the things that strike our hearts or or cause questions would be opportunities for us to pursue what you are trying to communicate. And we are grateful that you do speak, that you do listen, and that you are at work within our lives. Bless this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I want to talk about another word as we've been kind of going through words. And I I was thinking about this uh, earlier in the week, and I decided I want to talk about the word life. And after I came to that decision, yeah, that's what I want to talk about, I was asked to speak at a memorial service. And so that played a whole trip on me you know, having to talk about life and to be confronted 
with death. And it was a good thing for me. It was healthy to have that perspective because what I tend to do, what I think we tend to do is get an idea and try to find that idea's you know, meaning without the interruption of other voices or other things that come into the picture so that we have a very narrow, narrow view of maybe what something looks like. And, and there's no way to talk about life without also recognizing death. And so as we kind of look at this today, I hope we're challenged by how this all plays out and what we see in scripture and in experience that helps us to maybe get a broader understanding of what this life is that's talked about in scripture. You know, Jesus, from the very beginning in his ministry, when he is taken out into the wilderness and is tempted to eat the, the bread that he would make from stones, says that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Later, he would say that life doesn't consist by food or clothing or the abundance of possession. And he's hinting at that there is a difference between existence, living, and life. But the words are all similar. The words can be synonymous, but the meaning can be very different. And so leaning into that difference, leaning into that nuance is tricky sometimes because the words have a way of pulling us back into our understanding of what we thought they meant. And I feel like what God is doing, especially through Jesus, is pushing into a deeper meaning and a deeper understanding of those things. And and I want to start in the Old Testament because I believe that that is the ground that these things come out of. Because when Jesus offers life to his followers, it's going beyond adding minutes or hours or days to physical life. It's a qualitative more than a quantitative. And at the very beginning in Genesis chapter two, we see that the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. And I think the point here is that there is no life without the divine, that every tree, plant, fish, possum owes its existence to the giving, life-giving God, that we are all here because something has given us life. But in the case with humanity, there's something unique happening. It's a little bit more intimate. We, we see God speaking and all these other things happening, but with man, there is breathing into this divine breath that is going to be such an important part. Ruach is the word that's used in the Hebrew. It's the same word that's used for spirit and is used for wind. The breath of God that goes in and makes man a living being. 
when we see the picture of the Garden of Eden, there is a tree of life that is, I think, to represent God's life-giving relationship with humanity. There is this tree that they can eat of, this, this fruit that they can enjoy that is giving them life, and it has to do with the one who gave them life at the very beginning. But later in the garden, that we see there's a warning in chapter 2, verse 17, where it says, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. And I think this is such an important understanding of what this tree of knowledge of good and evil, there is a tree that you can eat of where you no longer need God. That's kind of the idea. Because if you eat of this, you'll be like God. That's the the deception. If you eat from this, you will no longer need the one who's given life because you'll be able to be God over your life. And we know the story. They chose to live apart from this connection to the divine, the connection to life. They eat from the tree, but we don't see them fall over dead. Right? They didn't eat it and like, oh, boom, that's told you so. Right? We, we don't get that kind of picture. Instead, we see is a long, slow process of what life is detached from the divine. We, we see death start to creep in, in in these ugly ways. We see Cain killing his brother Abel. We, we see the dissension between the family and the, the battles that take place until they're enslaved in Egypt. And so this idea of you will die, we, we start to see what it looks like. It starts to look like all this contention. It starts to look like life without the divine. It starts to look like existence instead of actual life. And then they're delivered from Egypt. And once again, after this deliverance, they're given a choice in the law. And in Deuteronomy chapter 10, starting at verse 19, it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey him and remain faithful to him for he is your life. And so once again, we see that they are given a choice. In the garden, don't eat of this. Make the choice not to. In Deuteronomy, make the choice to live this way. And I think Ezekiel dramatically presents this state and condition of Israel in chapter 37 of Ezekiel, where we see this imagery, this vision of the dry bones, And in Ezekiel 37, verse three, then he, the Lord said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. And this is rhetorical. This this isn't, hey, can they? Tell me. There is no way that this can happen without the divine. There is no way that what is dead can be brought back into the life without God once again animating it and making it alive. We see in 
verse 5. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you. Sound familiar? And you will live. I will put tendons on you and make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And in this vision that Ezekiel has, God breathes life once again and restores them. In the garden, God breathes life. After Egypt, God gives them opportunity to choose life. After the exile, which is when Ezekiel takes place, once again, God is breathing life, trying to bring this people into proximity with him. And it's during this exile period that we start to see the theology of resurrection forming. And it's very interesting what that does and, and, and what that looks like, and it's very mysterious. And there's a very curious passage that takes place in, in Hosea, and there needs to be an understanding there's a difference between resurrected life or new life and afterlife that we'll kind of touch on. They're not all the same thing. But in Hosea chapter 6, starting at verse 1, says, come, let's return to the Lord, for he has torn us and he will heal us. He has wounded us and he will bind up our wounds. He will revive us after two days. And on the third day, he will raise us up so we can live in his presence. That should spark some curiosity, those number of days. Let's strive to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the land. He's going to restore. He's going to bring us back. And it's so interesting that, you know, the the writer's talking about he has torn us, but he will heal us. It's like this, well, why would he do that if he's trying to do this? But that's where we see the tension between living existing and a life that God wants. Sometimes it it takes the breaking to get to the actual important things that need to be understood. And so he tears down, but he heals. He wounds, but he binds up the wounds. And then he revives us. He raises us up so that we can live in his presence. And this isn't about adding days, years, or even centuries to life. This isn't about a life after we die. This is the picture of a new life that is found in presence. It's found in proximity to God. This is the picture of that life that is meant to be had with God in a communal way. So we enter the New Testament and Jesus comes onto the picture and life is an important word and theme, especially in John's gospel. We see the word life, living, or eternal life throughout this gospel. And it's a mistake to assume that eternal life means that when we die, we go to heaven and have life after that. John was not concerned with Jesus adding days to our lives 
And the English translation for eternal is something that we, we kind of lose touch with the original meaning. When it was used originally in the Greek culture, eternal life was something that was used of the gods or of a Roman emperor. The idea is that the focus wasn't on time, endless life, but on power and this glory and grandeur that death and time did not hold sway over that, right? It's to be eternal was to be greater than time and decay itself. And even though the word eternal, it's a good word, it probably would be better to understand it as immortal. So that after the emperor died, he still lived on in the memory and how he was revered and respected. That time didn't decay who he was in the minds of the people. And so this idea of eternal life has that meaning within it. And this perspective helps us when we look at how Jesus describes life or how they describe Jesus. In him was life, and that life was the light of all men. What kind of life? It's this kind of life. It's the eternal life. It's the immortal life. It's the life that continues. Sometimes we falsely conceive of eternal life or salvation as if it were God handing over some kind of object to us, like a gift or a resource. I'm giving you eternal life. Here it is, and now you will live forever. I think a better image is that of an umbilical cord that's connected from a mother to the fetus that is providing all that is necessary bringing the nutrients to that child. In John 15, Jesus talks about abiding in the vine, that you can't bear fruit unless you're connected to this life. In John chapter six, verse 53, Jesus says to them, truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I am him. Just as the living father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestors ate and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. Can we just pause and say, what the heck, right? This is bizarre. But you see, food does something, right? When you eat, it provides life for you. But it does it in a way where it nourishes you. It does it in a way where you are being, you are absorbing it and it is now producing something in you. And so this is, again, that proximity that we're talking about. This is that presence that we're talking about. This is the being connected that is so important to the life that is being spoken about. 
It's the communion to the living one. And in a mysterious way, transfers life to us. There are so many things that we fail to understand. And when we hear these kinds of words and try to figure out meaning of them and understanding without allowing the mystery of them to also allow us to wonder and to let our imaginations drift, then we're doing a disservice to what I think is happening here. I was listening to a podcast about NDE, near-death experiences. And there are actually clinical trials that study this. There is research that records near-death experiences. And they have long lists of them and all the things that happened. There was one story of a woman who was in the hospital, went into cardiac arrest, and she died and was dead like for 20 minutes. And they were trying to resuscitate her and she came back and all of a sudden she said, you know, when they were talking to her, she said, I felt like I was floating over my body and I could see everyone working on me. And then I kind of kept floating and then I was actually above the hospital and I was looking down on the hospital. I remember there was a, a red tennis shoe on the roof there. And they go up afterwards and find a red tennis shoe on the roof of the hospital right? And you're like, what? You know, that's, you know, it's like Twilight Zone kind of things. My daughter's reading a book right now called The In-Between, and it's about a nurse who was an ER nurse who then left to become a hospice nurse and is talking about all these stories of people who are dying who are kind of living in this in-between. And one of the stories is a woman who was in a bed in the room and she kept screaming, you have to get me out, the fire, the fire, the fire. And they're like, there's no fire here. You gotta, you know, don't worry about it. And she finally calls her supervisor and says, what do I do? She won't go to sleep. She's not being, you know, calm. We can't calm her down with medicine. He said, just remove her from the room. And so they remove her from the room and she falls asleep and everything's good. And she dies the next day. And then the day after that, there is a fire in the room where she was at in the bed. What the heck? You see, now we're not even just talking about space. We're talking about time. We, we see this much of a picture that's this big. And if we are not overwhelmed with the idea of life and the mystery of life, then I think we are going to come to very small conclusions of it. Our understanding will be very limited. And so having an openness to hear words like Jesus, unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you don't have life. But if you do this, my life is in you and allow the imagination to understand what reason can't quite make out can help us. Jesus said that in John 12, verse 24, truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
If anyone serves me, he must follow me where I am. There my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is such a strange way to present life. It's like there's a catch. You want this life? There's a catch. There's always a catch, right? This new life, this resurrected life has a price tag. What is it? It's death. That's a big price. Not just physical death, though all of Jesus' followers died and some martyred. There's death required to a way of living that keeps us from life. I think so many of us are kept from life that God gives because we're held by fear. We're held by the fear of that we don't have enough, that we aren't enough, that we need more to be secure. We're, we're held by anxiety, worrying about what is beyond our ability to control. We're held by resentment for all that has been done wrong to us or that is being done wrong. We are held by thinking that we need to hold on to all these things and all this stuff so that we can be secure. We are held by the same lie that was told in the garden that we can find life apart from the one who gives life. But even as the grave could not hold Jesus, when we choose this life to abide, to live into, to partake with, we too are no longer held by the lies, when we are willing to understand that there is so much we don't understand and that we cannot provide for ourselves what is needed, that we are dependent on what we don't fully understand, that's when the magic happens. That's when the breath of God brings life to us. And it's so counterintuitive. Jesus didn't seek immortality. He sought death. That's so strange. And it's so backwards. At the memorial, when I was sharing, I, I you know, I'm troubled of how limited my understanding is of situations. And so when you're sharing at a memorial of someone who took their life and you're trying to give hope, what do you hold on to? And I thought of Paul's words when he says that God uses the weak things to bring to shame the things that are strong. The things that we think are insignificant are actually very significant. And that we might think, oh, this is a sign of weakness, but we don't know. Maybe this is actually a sign of strength, but I just don't have eyes to see. Or when Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take courage, I have overcome the world. And, and we think, well, maybe he just didn't have enough courage to keep living. How do you know? Maybe he had more courage than any of us here and we never saw it. 
the battle he lived every day with the struggles he had. We don't know. And Jesus, not looking for immortality, but looking for death, he's telling us something, and I, I think we get it wrong. I think we think life is short, but I think what Jesus is telling us is death is short and life is forever with the one who gives life. Life finds the way and death is necessary so that life can happen. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to his disciples again, peace be with you as the father has sent me I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here it is once again, the breath of God providing life, providing life to the disciples who were without hope, providing life to those who were afraid of what was going to happen to them, that they too were gonna be killed and breathing life that gives them the ability to not be held by fear because this death does not hold you. There is life that holds you even after death. And this idea of resurrected life, I don't understand it. I I don't fully grasp hold of it. They aren't waiting where someday, you know, I'm gonna be with God. There is this understanding that we are with God and that that is going to be somehow substance, substantive, even though it's different. But that's the reality of how things are that we are to live into. But the way we get there is like Jesus. It's through death. Not just physical, but dying to the need to control, to have that knowledge that says, I know as much as God when we know so, so little. And so this... Word life is mysterious. It, it, it is deep and it keeps making its way in the story. They die, God brings life. They die, God brings life. Jesus dies, God brings life again. And holding on to these two things with both hands understanding that God wants to give us eternal life. That doesn't mean life that goes on forever as much as it means life that can't be taken away. Let's ponder what that means and how we can live into it. Let's pray. Father, I feel as though we see through a glass darkly, we We have only shadows and images of the things that you talk about and desire the day where we will see face to face and and know even as we are known. And Lord, until that time, may we maintain the wonder. May we be open to the mystery. May we allow the beauty 
of life to captivate our hearts and imaginations. May we not make the same mistake that was made in the garden, that was made by the children of Israel, that was made by the disciples, to think that we could live apart from, detached from the author of life, the giver of life. May there be a dependency that shows up in our daily interaction. May there be a humility within us to hunger for what we don't yet know. May there be a desire to know and to grow and to live as Christ, who is our life, lived. We do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May our lives be hid in Christ. And may we pursue the one who gives life in the way that Jesus did by giving his life to those around him. God bless you guys. Look forward to our conversation afterwards here and look forward to seeing you guys tonight at five at the potluck. God bless you guys. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.